Hey everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. podcast where we talk about fan fiction. On a standard format episode, each of the three of us brings an individual fic to discuss, but we are doing a special new format this episode, and we are discussing one much longer piece of fan fiction. If you've listened to the pod before, you may have heard when we were doing our fandom classics episodes in which we'd choose a well, what we consider to be a fandom classic fic for a particular fandom, one that has endured the test of time. Um, now we're sort of pivoting, and it's a similar concept where we're going to be discussing one fic, uh, but we're calling it For Your Consideration. And these are ones that we sort of think deserve more than they've gotten. <laughs> we're pitching them um, to you for your consideration. <laughs> um, so this was a sort of a new way for us to be able to discuss one longer fic, uh, but not necessarily something that has already attained a fandom classic status, um, but something that we still really want to discuss. This episode, our first fic for this new series was brought to us by Nick. Nick, do you want to introduce what we're going to be talking about today? Yes, I would. So our fic for this episode is uh, one that I really love. I have enjoyed it ever since the first time I read it, which was like two years ago now. Um, this fic is called Give Me a Tempest by AO3 user Clavier or Clavier, depending on your pronunciation. Um, and it is a fic for Seventeen, a K-pop band. The pairing is Mingyu slash Minghao. It is a green card marriage fic. That's kind of our premise here. Uh, a fake marriage, a marriage of convenience, a marriage to scam the government. Hell yeah. Um, and yeah, and I love it very much. It's not an unpopular fic. I do want to clarify some of our fics that we're pitching for the consideration of the ficlets may be um, considered a little bit uh, shafted by the general populace. I would not necessarily say this fic falls under that category. I think it has been loved and appreciated within its fandom, but I think this is one that could transcend. So I wanted to present it to all of you for your consideration as a fic that I think is romantic, it is fun, it is a great kind of character arc, and I love it very much. Yeah, I mean, part of the goal of this series is like, ooh, this is a fic that should be put into the catalog of fandom classics. But part of it is like, sometimes we just want to talk about long fic and we just need a reason to do so. So hence new series. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Yeah. Yeah, this fic is almost 100,000 words long, just to um, put that out there. We were not going to be able to bring it otherwise if it were not in a series like this. So that did help. Yeah, in case you aren't familiar, we usually cap our individual picks at 50k for an episode so that we're not reading over 150k for each episode. Honestly, though, I feel like internally we do cap it a little bit lower than that usually, or if someone has a 50k one, the other two try and balance. We are almost <laughs> never reading more than 100k for an episode anyway, so when we want to bring something that's longer, uh, it kind of has to stand on its own so we can actually, like do our real life and our regular nine to five jobs and also read fan fiction. And also just like have enough space to talk about it. 
in the early days of this pod, we used to have to cut a lot of content that we had talked about fix because we simply had so much to say. And then we got better at realizing um, time constraints, but it is nice to be able to sort of like widen them again and be like, oh, feel free. Like you can actually dig into every little thing you want. You don't have to pick and choose like, well, I want to talk about this, but we only have like five minutes left really of discussion. So I'll prioritize this other thing. So it's nice to get to like do these episodes where we get to dig in in depth. So in this fic, uh, our central premise is that our main character, Ming Hao, gets a job. Ming Hao is from China. The job is in Korea, shooting at a very kind of high-end fashion magazine. The magazine is called Seventeen. I don't believe it is meant to emulate the teen magazine in the US, Seventeen, but rather Seventeen, the band name. Um, a, a potentially a bit confusing, but what are you going to do? Um, okay, so Minghao gets this job. However, he needs a visa to be able to do the job. And because of um, hand-wavy logistical reasons that make this fic possible, he needs to be married for this visa to like make sense and go through. He asks his friend June, hey, June, you live in Korea. You are... Um, a performer, someone who works there and has lived there for a while, can you hook me up with someone to be my fake husband? And June, the great friend that he is, is like, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Let me find you my nice friend, Mingyu, who is like an elementary school teacher. Um, Very fun. We love Mingyu. We'll get to hear more about them later. Um, But Mingyu says yes for reasons that we don't find out for a little bit into the fic. And Minghao is a bit suspicious of him for saying yes. Because he basically was like, yeah, if you'll pay me, then I will do it. So they get uh, married in the first scene of this fic, um, and they live together. So this fic is partially about them fooling immigration lawyers. It is partially about Ming Hao acclimating to Korea and to his job and kind of working his way up the ranks there. And it is partially about him and Mingyu, spoilers, probably not very spoilery, uh, eventually falling into real love and uh, behaving as lovers would. Oh, I don't know what I mean by that. Uh, I was going to say dating, well. but they're married. <laughs> Being together romantically on purpose. So this fic has a very tropey premise with the sort of marriage of convenience setup. Um, you, when you think marriage of convenience or marriage of necessity, you don't necessarily think green card marriage, although I there are definitely some of these fics floating around out there. Um, but we thought as a little fun intro premise to do, uh, what would it take for us, a host of Fit Click, to say yes to participating in marriage fraud um, to fool <laughs> the government? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Bren, you were quite generous because at first, because, okay, so in the fic you find out um, sort of the risk of like, if immigration finds out that this is like a fraud marriage Mingyu could go up to jail for 10 years i think ming hao just gets sent back to china i don't know that there's like a fine or like jail time on his end um but brenna at first you were like well if there's no jail time associated in the united states for marriage fraud i'd just do it <laughs> which i thought was like really generous of you recreational marriage fraud yeah um yeah. as it turns out though i googled and um i think it's up to five years in prison and up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of fines so yeah, that fine is bonkers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that so that's rough. That's that's a that little bit tougher. <laughs> really put a damper on my giving spirit. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. I'm someone who does not like living alone. I like living with a roommate. Um 
And sometimes it's hard to find a roommate. <laughs> so like, getting married to, to live- find a roommate. Yeah, like if I'm gonna be living with someone anyway, and we're already gonna be splitting rent, like why not just also fake a marriage if it's gonna help them, you know? But not at the risk of five years in prison because I really, really don't want to go to prison. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, unfortunately, like. I had sort of pitched this like silly little concept to you all yesterday. I was like, maybe we could do this in an intro. Um, and I had no answer to it. And then I still don't have an answer. Like, okay, earlier today, um, a friend of ours um, texted me and another friend and was like, hey, it's so lovely out. Do you guys want to have like an impromptu picnic? And I was like, yeah. And so we went to the park and we had like wine and cheese and fruits. And I was so content in that moment that I was like, Maybe I would get, like, fake married for just, like, some really good cheese. Like, access to a really good cheese. And, like, I was like, that's nothing. I can get access yeah, to really Reed good cheese. moves to Switzerland and, like, yes. fake marries, like, a dare- Swiss dairy farmer for access to, like, really good cheese. Okay, honestly, yeah. I fucking love that. I would- Here's the thing. Like, does my stomach, would my stomach love me eating cheese all the time? No, but I do anyway. So that's fine. Um, I do realize that's a little bit absurd. Like, maybe I should, um, I don't know, have different standards for getting fake married. But, like, I really like cheese. And I was so content with our little picnic. I was like... But, like, would you want really good cheese for up to five years in prison? You can buy really good cheese for a lot less than $250,000. You also could just buy a lot of cheese with $250,000. No, that's really yeah. true. And then I wouldn't have to be like committing it's like too fraud. much cheese. Yeah. Um, it's just like some really artisanal shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking like even if you had like little like the edible gold flakes in it, like you'd still have to get like a lot to start yeah, getting that's up there. worse. I don't want edible gold flakes in my cheese. No, but you could maybe like maybe I could have edible edible gold flakes like in my fancy wine that I'm having at my fancy little picnic. I, I don't guess. know. I don't really want to consume gold. Me either. It feels weird. Like it's gonna stick to my insides. Um. I just it just feels like pointless to me. (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna have to think. Maybe cheese is not a good enough reason to get fake married. Um, Do either of you have something better? Once I started thinking about it, like for real, and with the with the looming threat of five years in prison, which isn't really half the time that it would cost Mingyu in this fic, but you know, it's still five years in prison, and I don't want to go to prison at all. Well, um, it's up to five years, so you never okay, know. Like, like maybe you only get like six months. <laughs> um, that's true. I still want to go to prison for six months. I would fucking, I would not do welfare. <laughs> um, and like, I don't want to have like it would be. Ugh. Well, okay, I'm not going to get on a rant about incarceration in the United States and what it does to people, but... um, Okay, I was thinking about this, and well, I'm sure we'll get to this later on, but Mingyu, there is a threat to his well-being in in this world um, hanging over his head that is sort of the reason that he says yes, because he needs the money. I think I would say yes if it was a situation that would save someone I really care about as well. Not necessarily financially, but let's say like someone needed like a life-saving treatment and the only way for the doctor to like be in the States was to like get a green card marriage. I'd marry that doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling really bad about my answer. (laughs) Well, at first I was like, I'd just do it, but then I I had to take that away. (laughs) Yeah, mine was a bit more selfish because I was like, it would need to be probably like they'd have to have a nice house. I would move in with them Um, and they'd have to have like a pretty nice house, like 
an estate, if you will, something kind of secluded so that people aren't like finding us not behaving in married ways. Um, so it'd be easier to hide. And I think that would make the risk lower. Also, if there's like a library room, I think that would be pretty sick. So that's my big one, I think. Um, but like if someone was just like, hey, get married to my like friend who you don't know. Oh, they have a nice house. You're just saying yes. Like you don't they're need, nice. You don't need like more from that. Well, if they're nice. Okay. And it's like a nice, well, it has to be a good location too. I don't want to move mm. to a nice house somewhere I don't want to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the question too. Like I was imagining myself sort of in the Mingyu side mm. where someone no, is. Ho. Oh, okay. I was okay. also imagining myself in the Mingyu side of like having oh. to say yes. Right. Like someone needs my citizenship. Like I'm not trying yes. to get someone else's. I guess I kind of, okay, this doesn't make sense then because I was sort of. In my head, I'm almost imagining both of us as U.S. citizens, so I think that's just getting married. That's just that getting married. Just getting married. <laughs> that's also like not like marriage fraud. You can just do that. Not at all. Yeah, it's just like getting married <laughs> and moving into a Vegas. nice house. I mean, I guess it could be a thing of like it's not quite fraud, but if it's like like Brenna was saying, like I don't know if it's like a health thing, like because like insurance in the U.S. is mm -hmm. absolutely fucked. So yeah, what if it was so a you thing can of like check oh, off the boxes of insurance fraud and marriage fraud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because like maybe it's I a thing where you're indemnity. like you could be both U.S. citizens who then like one person needs to get on the other person's health insurance, so then like you get married for that reason. But that feels less. I don't know. That was mm -hmm. not what I was thinking of in my original prompt. Right, right. The prompt is definitely, I feel like, citizenship-based. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not other reasons that you might need to scam the government to be married. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of reasons I'd want to scam the government. There are plenty of reasons to scam the government. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, on a scale of good cheese to nice house to life-saving medical procedure, Ficklitz, let us know what it would take for you to participate in marriage fraud. Yeah, just to clarify, none of us have intentions of doing this. <laughs> Brenna covering our legal, like, no, 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 I promise it's a joke, it's a Brenna's bit. the one that needs to say that, because she was thinking about just doing it for fun. That's well, so like I've said, I fun, didn't know that there was a, at that time, I didn't know that there was a mm. uh, prison sentence, but now I do, and I haven't done it, so. Wow. So you only would have been sorry if you got caught. What? <laughs> Well, it's like you're doing something illegal, but you only yeah. care because you could get punished. Well, yeah. that is sort of the reason that like legal punishments exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that you feel motivated to not do the crime. Legal punishments exist to maintain social hierarchies under white supremacist capitalist heteropatriarchy. Well, yeah. Again, also so you are motivated to not do the crime. <laughs> <laughs> Both things can be true. I don't have any tracks to cover because I accidentally got married legally in my scenario. <laughs> so I'm fine, That's actually. True. I, for some reason, thought you were going to bring up the fact that um, you have the legal ability to marry people. Right. Um, Wait, I'm. Can why wouldn't I have the legal ability to marry people? No, I said you do. Of the three of us, you are you are the one who has the ability currently right now to marry people. Oh, yeah. It's like... Because I'm ordained. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Okay, okay. I, I was confused. I was like, why can you two not oh, marry yeah. <laughs> No, sorry to officiate. No, to I've, like, been, like, I've been banned. Actually, I have documentations from the government that said, Brenna, you can't get married even <laughs> legally in the United States. You specifically. <laughs> don't, don't ask questions. I was so confused. Like, cause it, is, is it because I'm like actively like dating someone that's not? <laughs> you can just get married. No. <laughs> Clearly, based on like the fic. 
Ooh, Nick, would you would you like facilitate an illegal marriage? Like if Breno was marrying someone for like this like life saving or like this doctor, would you um facilitate that marriage since you have that power yes i would want her to give me as much plausible deniability as possible but i would do it if brenna was like getting married soon wink want to officiate i'd be like sure (laughs) yeah don't say anything else (laughs) (laughs) no further questions brenna for what it's worth i would be your witness and you could tell me incriminating things i'd want to be your confidant you can i was gonna say like what if one of you two was the friend the june in this situation who's the intermediary though like nick what if you're the one who's like hey i have this friend who like really needs u.s citizenship and you've somehow talked me into it then you would know oh yeah Yeah. would you still be willing to officiate yeah of course okay yeah you already know you're already in on it yeah, then I would really, um, hmm. <laughs> I would officiate and then probably flee the country. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. in this scenario, like, does June have any penalty? I don't, I don't think so, right? Because not. he doesn't, like, he doesn't officiate it, but he definitely is the one he, who, like, like set it up and used them, but he, yeah, didn't but do he like, anything. knows about the. He's, like, an accessory to marriage fraud. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be that worried about it. I guess it could be, though, like, is he going to be a repeat offender? <laughs> Okay, I really think we should probably talk about fan fiction now. Oh, I should say, Ficklets, before we jump into this conversation, I just would like to apologize if you're listening and you're like, wow, is Nick on death's door? (laughs) Um, No, but I am sick. So I do apologize if I sound quiet or if Reed forgets to edit out any of my coughing. Also, sorry, editing Reed. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> Love ya. <laughs> Love you. I thought you were going to say if I forget to, I was like, I can't edit out your sick voice. I don't have the technical skills to modulate someone's voice at no, present. No, that's fine. Make me sound like Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll try. <laughs> With okay, the breathing apparatus <laughs> noises. <laughs> yeah, I can Before give you some Reed of that. Nick says anything. <laughs> Nick, you want to give me a Darth Vader line? I don't know what he sounds like. No, just, just, give, me, just give me a line in your regular voice and then I'm going to modulate it. Luke, I'm your father. You came for me, Luke. <laughs> yeah, okay. Darth Vader from Leeds. <laughs> oh, okay, Ficklets. I promise we're going to talk about fan fiction now. <laughs> Please. Be gay, do crimes, commit marriage fraud, fall in love. Amen. Let's talk about the fic. <laughs> yeah. As we dive into this discussion, just a note on some of the content warnings for this fic, um, I would say there aren't very many. It is generally a rom-com, I would say. There are definitely some emotional moments, but it's not overall a very dark tone. Um, The couple of content warnings that we identified that you might want to keep an eye out for are uh, xenophobia, specifically against Minghao, who is Chinese, um, at his workplace in Korea. There definitely is some prejudice against him, and he deals with it um, not only kind of informally at work, but also formally at work, and that is a challenge for him. Um, Additionally, there are a couple of medical emergencies. One of them is pretty quick. He's fine. Um, The other one is uh, a medical emergency involving a parent. Um, Spoilers for the fic. Pew-pew! I guess at this point, too, just like bail out if you want and go read the whole fic and then come back. Um, hell yeah. 
it's a great fic. We usually um, say that for fics that are like 4K or under, where we're like, there's a really good we'll twist. We'll see you, you in a couple days. Now, 98K. <laughs> That's okay. That's fine. We're not going anywhere. That's so if true. If you hit pause, we'll be frozen in this moment for you forever, ficlets, oh, if God. you want. Anyway, um, the spoiler is um, that it is Ming Hao's mom, and she is fine. Um, she has to have a surgery, and he goes back for that um, towards the end of the story. But she does end up being okay. Just if that's a sensitive topic for you, know that it comes on pretty quickly, um, and that for a while it does seem quite serious. The last kind of really little thing that we wanted to mention was because of the nature of their arrangement, Ming Hao is paying Ming Yu to be his husband. Um, very early on in the narration, Ming Hao does have like a brief concern that he's going to be expected to engage with Ming Yu in ways he's not comfortable with, uh, specifically sexually. It's a passing concern that he has, and it is not something that ever plays out in the fic like that. There's no coercion or anything, so just FYI. My co-hosts, um, I have read this fic a couple times and I will share my thoughts on it very soon, but I would love to hear how the reading experience was for the two of you. Yeah, this was a fic that has been in my marked for later for a while, specifically because Nick recommended it. Um, Nick once made a very good um, 17 fic rec list, which I appreciated, and I book or not bookmarked, I marked many things to read for later and I hadn't gotten around to this one, so I was glad to like have a definitive reason to read it. I was saying to my co-host that something I realized is that even though I like Seventeen very much, I like their music, I like their content, those are fun lads. I've consumed less fic for them than I have for other K-pop groups that I'm into or other like fandoms I'm into. Um, it's not as much a part of my fandoming for them. And I super have not really dug into anything for Mingyu or Minghao as individuals. Those two are not in my bias line. They're great, but there are so many boys and they are not in the bias line. Um, so I was not gyuhaoing much. So I was really curious to see sort of like what their dynamic would be like as a pairing and like what their like individual characters would be like. Because I feel like I haven't read a lot of fic, so I don't know like what like popular fandom characterizations are or anything like that. And like from what I know of them, they feel like different personalities. And I know that we have many friends who enjoy gyuhao, but I was like, I don't really know what the like the draw is here and i'm very curious to see like how this fic pitches it and i thought it it pitched it very well um i feel like it also like helped you know it's in the space of as brenda said kind of like a rom-com tropey and like a lot of space to explore their dynamic which i really appreciated again as someone who doesn't really know them it was nice to like be able to spend a lot of time with them as characters i also loved all of the side 17s in this um some of them are more present than others if you, like me, are a woozy stan, I'm so sorry. I think he gets mentioned once, but that's okay because the ones who are more present are fucking delightful. Um, I am obsessed with Ming Hao's work friends, Zhang Han and Zhang Han's boyfriend, Joshua, and like Mingyu's little friend group. Like everyone you meet is so good and rich and fun. And I liked so much how present like the other characters were in this. I think it makes sense also because like I think it'd be a little bonkers to have a 100k fic and like really only focus on the couple. That would be a, a laser focus in. And I think it would make the fic feel less like rich and full than it does because it feels very much like I think this author was really good at um, making the world around them feel real, feel full and populated, that they both have like a lot going on in their personal lives, that they have these wider friend groups that like, yeah, I don't, just like Mingyu's apartment was so vivid. There's a lot of time spent in that apartment and it felt like such a physical and real space to me. And like when Minghao's in China, all of that was really sort of vivid for me as well. So yeah, lots of things that I really enjoyed about this fic and I'm looking forward to talking about it more with you both. Yeah, I also had a really good time with this. It's been a while since I read something that was just sort of like tropey romance setup. And so it was just like a really enjoyable time to be reading something where 
I kind of anticipated some of the plot points, but I also didn't know exactly how it would play out. So it was sort of that sensation of like not being completely like unfamiliar with the beats that this fic might take, because again, it is sort of like a romance setup. Um, but also like being able to be surprised by some of the choices it made and like be delighted by some of the characters who we get introduced to. Um Similarly to Reed, I have not read a whole lot of Seventeen fic. In fact, I've read almost none, um, which is surprising because I am, like, in my carrot era. I have been having so much fun with Seventeen lately, um, and I really like those lads, but I just have not read much fic for them. I think they kind of stand out to me as a group where, like, I really like some of the members and, well... I like all I like them as a group, but like, you know, I'm very fond of some of the members and I really like watching their dynamics and their performances and their music, but there isn't like a ship that stuck out to me, so therefore I haven't like gone and read a whole bunch of fic. Um so I'm kind of unfamiliar with like how some of the ships are commonly written in fanfic, and particularly with uh the Mingyu Minghao of this fic, I'm kind of unfamiliar with even how they are as a dynamic in real life. Um I feel like I have not paid close attention to their interactions. And it was interesting because I read the extended author's notes that Clavier um has put up on Live Journal after this, and the things that they mentioned referencing for the Gyuhao dynamic, I was like, I have not seen those. <laughs> So I did not have like a good reference point for sort of the IRL Gyuhao dynamics, but I definitely enjoyed how they were presented here. Um, and yes, I also, as a Joshua bias, I loved Joshua in this fic. He is just a side character, but he was really delightful. The Jonghand and Joshua of this was just really fun. They're two of my favorites in the group, and I was like really delighted to see them be so present. And just like their interactions as friends with Minghao were really fun, and definitely like something I want to talk about is like the friendship side of this fic, as well as like the romantic side. Um, so yeah, this was like I know we are always saying like, oh, this was a quick X number of words. This was a slow X number of words, but like this was a very readable ninety-seven k, and like. It definitely took me a while. Like, I'm not going to say, like, oh, I just sped through it because it is still 97k, but, like, it does not bog you down. And I feel like the pacing and overall, like, structure of the fic, it keeps you engaged and continues having momentum, like, through the entirety of it. I think the chapters were, like, really well-placed because um, mm -hmm. I, I too, found myself, I'd get to the end of a chapter and I was like, okay, it's pretty late. I should go to bed. I was like, mm, but one more, one maybe. More. <laughs> and they're, like, 20k apiece. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yes. I I just love this story. I will say speaking to um what both of you were kind of saying of not reading that much 17 fic and to Brenna's point about not being sure what the dynamics are or like what fic writers are doing. I find 17 fic really interesting because 17 RPF is a fandom. There are so many boys in 17 and I think um if you've been in a fandom with an ensemble cast especially a very shippable ensemble cast, like, for example, a K-pop group. Um, the more people you add, the more potential ships there are, is how that usually goes. Mm -hmm. uh, and with 17, you see very little, like, OT13. Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, that's a lot. Yeah, there's not a lot of that. Um, so it's interesting because while there definitely are ships that are more popular than others, this is a fandom more than most others I've been in where it feels like authors are kind of doing their own thing when it comes to characterization and ship dynamics. Um, this, to me, feels like one of the defining Mingyu, Minghao dynamic studies. Um, I imagine a lot of other fic for this ship is of, of this 
fic, but this fic was also written like five years after they debuted. So it's just, it's interesting to me to see that. Like it's very scattered in a way, decentralized, I guess is a better word, like the fandom in general, um, compared to other fandoms that I've been in, uh, at least from my perspective, from the outskirts. I really love this story. I wanted to bring it in part because it feels to me like a story that is deeply readable and rereadable. It is very like comforting to me. It is very tropey. The moments of drama are very satisfying. I'm someone who really likes for there to be like emotions pushed to not extreme places, but intense places. Minghao goes through quite a lot in this journey, and it really is his journey. Mingyu is obviously there as well. He's more than just there. Um, he's a very <laughs> he's important around, character. He's he's there. This like weird um, roommate I have while I'm moving to another country <laughs> and getting married. Awkward. That's how it feels at the beginning, though. Oh, for like, sure. Mm-hmm. One thing I love about this story, too, is that it puts more work than I think most other stories that I've read into developing friendships. So rarely do you get to see the inception of a friendship in a story, I've realized, in a way that is not just like shallow. Like we get Ming Hao so nervous and excited to talk to Joshua because he's like, oh my gosh, like, am I coming on too strong? I really want to be his friend. Like, it's cute. Um, And it gives us really interesting character development outside of just the romance, which I always want more of. So that was a big reason I wanted to bring it, and a reason I think it should be a fandom classic. I think if you think about, for me at least, if I think about Thick Minghao, this is such a strong representation of him in a story that is so fun to reread with such a clear character arc with a beginning and a middle and an end that is not obvious or overly predictable or um, trite. But it's also not messy. Like, it's it's very cleanly done. And I love it. It feels very human. So that's kind of why I'm pitching it to you all for your consideration. I also think that this fic did a good job with the setting. Um, whenever we talk about um, fics set out of the US, I always want to put a little asterisk. Like, a good setting, as I understand it to be. Um, I think the author put a lot of time and effort into thinking about the kinds of things they would be doing, the way a city would look, both Seoul and Anshan in China, where we spend a little bit of time with Minghao. Um, some of the descriptions made me then go look up pictures of things to be like, oh, that's so cool. Um, at one point, Minghao thinks about how, like, like, would Mingyu be surprised to know that there are palm trees in Anshan? And I'm like, oh my god, there's palm trees in Anshan? <laughs> so I was like looking that up for a while. <laughs> I don't usually do that. So that was fun. Um, so I think that there's that in this story of like a lot of different aspects of place and setting are very fleshed out without feeling like overwhelming as someone who like hasn't been to these places. Um, I don't know. I liked it. It felt like I always like a story. I feel like I'm just rambling now. I always like a story where like our main character is an outsider and like gets to know a place or gets to know a new like setting company, etc. Because you get to learn a lot with them as well. I'll I'll stop for now. That Those are some thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I feel like I think about setting a lot in both fan fiction and like other books that I read. Um, because like, it's, it can be so important to a story. I mean, it is so important to a story, but like, it can be utilized in such different ways. And I think it's hard to find a good balance sometimes of like giving the reader enough that they can visualize the place and like have a really good sense of it, but also not feel bogged down by like unnecessary descriptions. Um, 
And like, I don't know, especially when I'm reading fantasy outside of fic, because I read a lot of like fantasy and sci-fi books. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, okay, I get it. I get it. (laughs) They're walking through another forest, like whatever. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, I get sometimes get frustrated by like not being able to picture the place that they are. And I think it's easier often in the real world or like a fic set in our world um because you don't have to be like describing made up fortresses and like spaceships and stuff to me politics those paragraphs <laughs> always get me it's like and this person is the leader of this particular chamber of this branch yeah help, help, and then there's like 15 planets this. that all have their own political systems no, and you're like, like rolling around in, in the one ear and out the yeah. other <laughs> so sorry my like frequent flipping back to the front of a book and like it still is not helping me which i no. have done for many many a book and i'm like help yeah so that's something that i've definitely like been thinking about quite a bit recently is just like what do i like in terms of how much you're giving me of setting and place and I thought this fic did a really great job of it and it I think we talked about this before but I definitely picture things in my mind when I read and or at least I, I like to be able to and if you're giving me enough then I can um this is definitely one where I felt very comfortable and situated within the spaces that Ming Hao and Ming Yu uh occupy and I think particularly within Ming Yu's apartment that Ming Hao moves into and like they're both living there for the majority well, they're both living there for the duration of the fic, <laughs> um, you know, other than like Ming Hao's trip home. But it just felt very clear to me, like from the first time I walked into the apartment, I was like, I know what this looks like. And part of that is also just because like, I don't know, I consume a lot of K-dramas and stuff. I just dropped them into a K-drama apartment, I'll be honest. <laughs> but like, I feel like it all just worked. Like I understood the setting. I understood like their places of work I understood sort of what their day-to-day routines were like and it felt very settled and I think that to me is just a marker of the author having a really good picture in their own head of what the world looks like um and like feeling really comfortable with it so you only need to give us like because I feel like sometimes I'm reading something and I can tell that the author themselves doesn't really know what they want to describe like they're kind of just making stuff up as they encounter it like oh there should probably be this so i guess i'll make x um it's sort of that that's thing- when brenna's baiting my fake <laughs> <laughs> nick give them water i'm gonna die out here um no i think we've talked about this before and maybe you said this nick i don't know um but sometimes it feels like there's just like a spotlight on our characters and the rest of the world is black and blank. And sometimes it feels like they are living in a world that extends beyond and all of the other characters are continuing to like rotate within their lives around. And I feel like this fic was definitely one that for me had that feeling. Um, and I think especially with the in and out of the other side characters, like coming coming in and out of Ming Hao and Ming Yu's lives and like in and out of the narrative, like there was still the sensation that they were still having these lives and like progressing and moving forward on their own, even when they weren't directly in the spotlight with Ming Yu and Ming Hao. Um, and for me, that was like a very satisfying way to handle sort of the large cast of characters here. Yeah, like I think one marker of good setting is that you wouldn't be able to move the story without changing things. Like, without major restructuring this story could not have taken place in like wisconsin (laughs) or chile yeah or like uzbekistan like those would be really different stories and i think that is a testament to good setting work yeah i want to um go back a little bit nick to something you were saying about um enjoying sort of a character who is an outsider and then sort of like finding their footing and, and finding their setting i suppose um i liked so much being able to follow Min- Ming Hao through these settings. Um, 
and like getting to see him become more familiar like his first full day i think it's his first full day in seoul is like pretty rough he goes to work and then realizes he never got mingyu's address or his phone number so he's just like taking the bus and like praying he can sort of get himself back in the right area he's wandering around like adjacent neighborhoods for like hours it's a whole thing it's like a whole whole ordeal that obviously is like pretty upsetting for him and like not a great start when you're already feeling kind of overwhelmed and on your own a little bit um and then you slowly get him like finding his footing and finding his place and i'm thinking specifically about a scene where i think I think it's the scene where Mingyu invites his friends over and like Hoshi brings Bingsu from his family's cafe and Ming has like, oh, I've never tried this. And Hoshi's like, Mingyu, you've never brought him to like get Bingsu? Like what a bad tour guide you are. And Mingyu very like calmly is like, well, Minghao's not a tourist. Like he lives here. He knows where to get dessert if he wants it. And it was said like kind of not as like some big grand statement, but Minghao felt that like very much. He was like, oh. Yeah, that actually is important to me. I'm not a tourist. I do know this place. I have, like, made something of a home for myself here. And I thought it was just really satisfying and rewarding to be with Minghao on this journey. Um, even as he is sort of like, is it traitorous to think of Seoul as home? Like, Anshan will always be home. And, like, how could he ever say that? But at the same time, like, could he just pick up and, and go back to Anshan and leave his life here in Seoul? Like, would he be happy with that? Like, no. Um... It was a very, it felt like a really human sort of journey that he was going on and a really full one. And I, yeah, I just enjoyed being on it with him. Yeah. And Minghao being a fashion photographer is so important, I think, to both of the points we were just talking about. His perspective on things and the visualization of things. Like he frames scenes in very beautiful ways. Um, one of the ones that really sticks out to me is um, when he is first unpacking. He puts his like expensive lenses on a shelf and is like, damn, I hope there are no earthquakes because these are pricey. And then that comes that detail comes back way later um, when the immigration lawyer comes by and they're talking about like decorations of the apartment and like, oh, like Minghao put his personal touch there with the lenses. Um, it's such a smart detail. And I think it really that one, among others, speaks to how visual Minghao's world is. And he's so ambitious it is interesting to hear his internal monologue like the challenges of being in a new place versus he was going to do whatever it took to advance his career in this particular direction and i feel like that made him very believable and it grounded some of the whacker aspects of this story um of which there are some um and like there's there's some goofing at the workplace as well. Jong Han is present, which means there is going to be some tomfoolery, uh, <laughs> which I always love. Um, but I think his job is so central in this story as well, and the way that his job intersects with like his identity as an artist. I thought it was a really really well, like well developed aspect of his character, but also almost the reverse. Like the story was developed around it very well. Yeah, I mean, a little bit off of what you were just saying, Nick, with like Jung Hun and his tomfoolery. I feel like very early in this fic, I got a sense for like how good the quote unquote side characters were going to be, where like Jung Hun is like, oh, you're married? Like, let me see. Oh, you've got such a sexy husband. And Ming Hao's like, please don't call him that. And Scoops literally is like, Jung Hun, stop trying to empathize with the new guy. And it made me like audibly laugh. Like, I don't know. They're such vivid characters. They're so fun to be with. And I like so much that, like, yeah, like you were saying, Nick. Minghao's job is so central. It's obviously it's a thing that is driving him. Like this is his dream. He is committing fraud against the government for it. Um, 
and that it becomes like it's you know sometimes a source of stress and sometimes a point of real pride and then also becomes this other thing like becoming friends with Jung Hen and through Jung Hen Joshua and eventually like you sort of get that Sung Chol is becoming closer than like they're not just a boss like he is actually becoming a friend for Ming Hao as well like it all was just sort of unfolding in a way that felt like really satisfying and earned on Ming Hao's behalf. Yeah, the friend aspects were so delightful. Like, again, I think it's just something that really enriched this fic. And obviously, like Nick said, if you're going to write 97k, like, I do hope that there's going to be some side characters. <laughs> um, but I think something that I just really appreciated in this one was how full each character felt, even when we only see them briefly. Like, we don't necessarily spend a ton of time with individual side characters. The one we probably spend the most time with is June because he is both of their friends to begin with and sort of helps orchestrate <laughs> the whole fraudulent marriage thing. Um, and then after that, like, there's sort of a, a set of them that I'd say we get about similar screen time from. But I think, like, the way that the author structured the friendships and like who sort of becomes friends with who early on and like what we can see about both Ming Hao and Ming Yu based on their different friendships was really helpful. Um, I feel like in a fic like this where our characters kind of don't have any understanding of each other at the beginning, like they are meeting for the first time when we also meet them. Um, it can be so useful and important as a reader to like have these other sort of touch points of how their character functions and like who they are as a person um and like ming hao only knows june when he gets to korea but i feel like when he becomes friends with jung han and joshua and then also just like in his conversation with scoops and like other people at his office we get the sense of like who he is as a character uh similarly on ming yu's side where we meet some of his friends including like sung Hwan and vernon um we get in a sense of sort of like who ming yu is outside of their relationship and as those friends groups integrate and as they all get to know one another I just felt like that was something that really helped build layers of characterization and help like situate them in the world in a way that I really appreciated like we get a sense of Mingyu through his friends and so does Ming Hao like especially because right. in the beginning I think as Nick alluded to like they, okay they are so petty and mean towards each other in the beginning they are not enjoying each other's company and Ming Hao's impression of Mingyu is very much like he's good looking and empty headed like th there's nothing else really going on here and then he sort of starts to get to see a little bit more of like Mingyu's life and I think it's like through his friends in part where Minghao is like oh I like the people around him a lot he keeps good company so maybe he has more going for him than just this sort of beautiful airheaded man who I am pettily hiding his phone charger from because I can't stand him and also I'm trying to yeah. assert my independence because I feel wildly out of my depth in a new country oh Ming Hao he's really going through it yeah and I think we also get to see like from these outside characters perspectives like we get to understand them as a couple better both as a fake couple and as a real couple they go on a couple of double dates uh one of them much nicer than the other um they go out with jong han and joshua on purpose uh jong han and joshua are uh, engaged by the end of this fic spoilers we're so happy for them um and we get to see jong han psychologically torturing mingyu which is canon um, so i always enjoy that it's it is um and like that's interesting to get to see them up against like a real couple and have them like trying to pretend but by that point in the story ming hao isn't even that worried about like pretending or fooling people he's just like having fun 
Um, and then we also get a little bit earlier than that, a double date accidentally, well, accidentally on Ming Hao's part, at least with June and Wanu, um, where Wanu is Mingyu's ex and another teacher at the school alongside Mingyu and also June's new, um, the object of June's affection, newly. Um, and that one is like kind of a nightmare. Like it's interesting to see how like they're in these really different situations and how they're reacting. How was it when they like first finally broke the ice and went on their fake dates to take pictures? How was it during their immigration interview when they like were forcibly reminded that they have to be on the same team on this or they're in big trouble? Versus how was it like when Minghao came home by accident during lunch one day and they had to pretend they were making out in the bedroom and like messing with each other's hair and giggling. Like it's so fun to get to see these different aspects of them. And I think like in a good story, your characters are in a lot of different kinds of situations. That seems like maybe the most basic writing advice in history. <laughs> Um, but it's so true. And I think Clavier did such a good job varying what's going on in this story that I think could have felt very one note. Like if it was just about Ming Hao at work and at home, like there are so many different angles to this and angles to their stories, um, that I think gave us a really great range of character and dynamic over the course of the story. Okay, so a little bit ago, Nick was like, oh, there's some whack thing or like whack situations in the fic. And I laughed a little bit. And I, okay, I just need to talk about it because it's objectively so funny and bonkers. Objectively, it's not that funny for Mingyu's sake. Okay, as a Are reader, as a reader, there That's was so. Mean. Okay, let me paint the picture for you, Ficklets. As mentioned, we know why Minghao is participating in this fraudulent marriage because he needs the like green card for, so he can work at 17 Magazine. Um, all we really know from Mingyu's end is that he is getting paid and that is worth it enough for him. And Minghao even asks like his like day one, he's like, what do you need the money for? And Mingyu's like, not your business. Um, and there were so many, I like, okay, I wasn't really spending a ton of time thinking about it. I was like, I wonder what this will be. I could have spent probably hours speculating on why Mingyu needed the money and have never gotten remotely close to what it actually was, which is that, um... Can I just pause pause right now, Ficklets, and try to guess? Yeah, please. Minky is an elementary school teacher. <laughs> Everything else you said about this fic is true. Like, it's pretty normal. It's pretty normal. Also, like, Minghao notes that he appears to be, like, paying rent fine. Like, he, he's got a decent apartment. Like, the apartment isn't, like, the worst. Uh -huh. Okay, Ficklets, are you done guessing? Please, um, if you're listening and you're in our Discord right now, go into episode talk. Put in your guess. Now, do it. I'm commanding you. Okay, great. Did you guess that when Mingyu was a child, both of his parents got wildly into debt, started like gambling their money off, got murdered, and then Mingyu at age like 12 or 14 or something was reached out to by his parents' murderers and were like, hey, by the way, you have to pay back all of their debt, like billions of won, um, or we're going to kill your sister and you have 10 years to do it. Okay, good luck. Bye. Because that's, that's what his deal that's is. That's totally what I guessed, Reed. Somebody like, I probably don't know, got I don't that. know why you Somebody didn't pick up on that. Somebody in the server probably got it. Through mm. all of the clues that were definitely there in the Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jaw-dropping. I was like, what? Um, and yeah, so apparently Mingyu's just been basically, like, stockpiling money for... I think he's got, like, a year or a year and a half left before he hits that, like, 10-year mark. Yeah. So he's just been, like, saving money, and he knows he's not going to be able to save up all of the money that he needs to pay back these, like, ransomers, but he's hoping that, like, if he can get enough, he can sort of stall them, like, um, 
acting out against his sister, but then also he and his sister have, like, a really bad relationship because he's distanced himself from her because, like, the authorities were, like, maybe if you're not as close to your sister, these people, like, won't think that she can be used as a leveraging piece. It is bonkers. And then by the end of the fic, Mingyu just kind of decides that it's not his problem anymore. <laughs> That's not exactly true, but it's yeah. kind of true. It's, like, symbolic. He's, like, letting go of this horrible weight of obligation because yeah. the reality is, like... Are the like if they haven't contacted him once in like eight and a half years, is it going to be like? Are they even still alive? Are they still thinking about him? Like, what actually is going to happen if anything? It is interesting. Um, for how intense it is, I would say that this subplot doesn't have a lot of space in this fic. It's not Minghao's problem. <laughs> I mean, I guess it is once they're like, It'll, yes, yeah. we're married. Because guess who those guys are going to come after as well? <gasps> Minghao. Oh, oh, that's the sequel that Clavier is working on right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Threequel. Not the like 5K yeah. or whatever, like follow up, yeah. very cute no. reunion fic. The next that I've yet story. It's definitely not not a, a one we follow up either where they figure their shit out. It's definitely the like thriller sequel <laughs> where like Mingyu yeah. and Minghao have to like go on the run from these guys who are like stalking them to try and kill them. I'd read that. It could be I an outsider POV. Wan Hui getting together, but in the but in the background. Minghao <laughs> on the run. I would also read that. Me Honestly, too. I was like, whack as it is, like, I found the twist very fun. To me, it was, like, yeah. classic K-drama. Um, like, oh, la-di-da, here's our main story. And then suddenly, the most bonkers twist. <laughs> I love that shit. Um, anyway, also, like, I felt like it did need a substantive reason for yes. Mingyu to be doing this. I mean, as discussed in our intro, like, why would you enter into a green card marriage? And I don't know about Minghao bringing fancy cheeses from China. So, like, <laughs> there had to be something. <laughs> um, yeah, so I appreciate that they did give him, like, a very substantial reason, even if it was pretty whack like totally so different from everything else we had been getting in this yeah. fic so far <laughs> it was also funny because i feel like you know i could tell that the author didn't want to deal with it too much because when they're first talking about it mingyu and minghao when they're first talking about it um mingyu makes sure to be like well like i am i have been working with the authorities like they do know like they've been investigating like maybe this will never come to anything so then at the end when it sort of is like we don't need to deal with this anymore <laughs> there's like precedent for <laughs> yeah it. yeah but it also them being like maybe they're just dead yeah maybe they are so like we don't know <laughs> Could yeah be. whatever no it's true i feel like there's also a continuum right between like on the one side you have like the really shady mean person with nothing going for them who doesn't really have a good reason to be accepting this and then on the other side you have like the really nice cool guy who has like a wild intense reason to potentially go for this i feel like you don't have a ton um in the middle there so for mingyu to be like a cool dude a nice character who is like worthy of marrying minghao then i think he needed to have a pretty wild reason to like really need the money otherwise you otherwise it would be in question too like why did mingyu agree to this um is it weird is it creepy is it coercive but it's like no he was just really desperate because like the mafia were knocking at his door eight years ago one thing I do also really like to think about with an ensemble fic where it's an AU and none of them are like idols is where authors choose to put people professionally. 
um, or recreationally, like what are people doing for a living? How do they know one another? Especially with 17, there's so many of them. Um, we Do we see everyone? I think we do. I think we, yeah, we at least glimpse all of them on page, which is impressive. Um, this is one of the harder groups to do that for because there's so many of them. I think like it's always, to me, that's such a pure fandom activity. Be like, oh, my little guys, like what jobs would they have in a different world? Um, I don't know. It's like fun and it feels very like, it feels like play. You know what I mean? Like when you're a kid and you have your dolls and you're like, this is an astronaut, but it's actually like a little paper clip that you put a piece of clay on the top of. <laughs> And you're like, they're going to space. It's that, except it's me going like, Mink House a photographer. <laughs> Jane is a dancer. <laughs> like, it's fun. And it's fun to not only see some of the ones that you definitely do see represented in fandom quite a lot, um, which would be some of the performance teams. You've got like June and Chan. Um, Jihoon, sort of, um, as dancers. Um, you get to see Ming Hao as a photographer. That one's super common. Mingyu working with children is not uncommon at all. People like to see him with little kids because it's cute. Yeah. Um, and there's been some content that he's done with kids that has been extremely cute. They just bully him, um, and that's healing. Rapper Hansel always. Of course, yeah. He's always doing his little rap on SoundCloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I very recently because I, I got a comment on a fic I wrote um, where he is a rapper, and I was like, oh yeah, of course, rapper Hansel. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, I did think maybe Vernon and Joshua would end up in the same little performance band group because I was like trying to figure out how everyone was going to be interconnected. Um, and then there's a performance of Joshua's that multiple other people who like Minghao didn't expect to be there are suddenly there. And I was like, and is Vernon going to be up on stage with him? Because Joshua comes out and it's like part of this like rock group. And Minghao's like, what? I thought this was going to be like ballads. <laughs> he was like, I thought it was going to be ballads or church music, which was church music. cracking <laughs> yeah. me up. Thank you so much for that. Canonically <laughs> hysterical. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I was like, oh, maybe Vernon will, like, rap with them my two minus one dreams. Two minus one didn't exist at the time this fic was written, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that could but, be in the, the threequel, the thriller. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, okay, so one, we are getting together. You, how are on the yeah. run, and Vernon and Joshua team up to write two minus one. Claudia, yeah, listen, yeah. we've got great ideas got for you. Give ideas. Um, I just have to say, like, as someone who does like Seventeen, but isn't, like, as familiar with all of them, like... Sometimes I would read a name and I would not know immediately if it was a member of Seventeen <laughs> or not because this fic, with the exception of Joshua, uses like their like birth name. Well, I guess Joshua like is his birth name, but I feel like some fics might call him Jisoo. Um, when also using like Hansel for Vernon and stuff. Um, so they use Joshua for Joshua, but then everyone else is not like a stage name or performance name or anything. Um, so I was like. <laughs> I did have to Google like two people. <laughs> there are also some other idols in here, just like yeah. randomly. Yeah. There's a couple exos hanging out, which is always like. <laughs> Sometimes I really can't tell too, because some of them have just like common names. Right. Um, I read a fic a while ago where there was like a a Minhyuk 
And at the end of the story in the author's notes, the author was like, I couldn't decide if that should be Monster X Minhyuk or B2B Minhyuk. So you, whichever one you pictured was correct. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, I, I had to that. Google. Um, I didn't remember that Soon Young was Hoshi. That yeah. was not in my brain. He was in the fic multiple oh, times no. before I clocked him as Hoshi. <laughs> oh, so no. sorry. Also, like I, when Chan came up, I was like, okay, I know Chan is one of them. This is not like Bang Chan of Stray Kids. <laughs> like, I know that this is a 17 but I did have to Google it to remember which one it was. I literally, um, like, just before we got on mic, uh, my friends were over, we were talking about, like, this fic and other fics, and I mentioned um, Soonhoon, and our friend Gav was like, oh, who's Soonhoon? And I had to be like, oh, Woozy Hoshi, because you definitely would be able to extrapolate <laughs> Soonhoon from Woozy Hoshi. I'm Tough. so sorry. Yeah. I'm also just, I'm very briefly thinking about um, Friend of the Pod, Avery, has written a number of 17 fics and has talked about, like, always wanting to have all of the members on screen at least like a little bit even if it's mentioned in passing like not all of them need to have the same level of involvement i think that would be so hard to do as you said nick people are not out here writing ot 13 fix and i think that is for a good reason that would well there's yeah. probably like there some, are some. There's probably some just like there not many yes, but i but a lot of them have specific structures too there's one where like central like they all get booted into different worlds and central has to go like collect all of them in different universes oh, that's actually kind of fun i like that, that one's kind of ot 13 but everyone does get like dedicated time yeah. and space in their own like chapter or whatever that's like yeah i think i think maybe if the structure is not set around making sure all 13 of them have equal amounts of screen time um i don't know i like i find it a very admirable thing when authors are like i will get at least a mention of every boy in here um because as you said nick that's it's it's more dolls to play with which is both fun but then like you also have to conceptualize like okay what are they doing if they are not the people that we know them as and like the people that we have come to be fans of um so i am in admiration of the authors who do so i've written some canon compliant 17 fic and there are um there was one time where i wrote a scene that they were supposed to have a group meeting and i got overwhelmed so i had two of them leave i was like they gotta go they have to go to some other schedule and they just left and i was like this is better speaking of things i am in admiration about um in general also specifically in this fic um we get to a point, I don't know, maybe like three quarters of the way through where Ming Hao realizes pretty definitively that he is no longer feeling platonic feelings for Mingyu. He's like, oops, in love with my fake husband. Mm, not sure what to do about this one. His whole thing is like repression and compartmentalizing, which like felt, but also not the best. My dude, there's multiple times where he's like, I'm just going to pack that away for never. Um... So he realizes he has feelings for Mingyu, but they are still more or less just operating as good friends and fake husbands living together. Um, and then Minghao gets uh, sort of the notice from his parents that his mom is having an emergency surgery in two days. And he's like, OK, I'm dropping everything. I'm coming to Anshan right now. Like, I don't care about my job. I don't care about anything. Like, if I get fired, whatever. Like, I'm coming home for this. And it's like he is understandably panicked and upset and is just sort of like in a flurry like going around the apartment Mingyu's like what's going on and Minghao's like I'm leaving like right now I'm booking a flight as we speak I'm gonna leave for China tonight and it's this whole thing and it's like Mingyu's like really trying to like help and Minghao just kind of keeps like shutting him out and says I can't remember exactly what but something dismissive basically like it doesn't matter or like you he doesn't say like you don't matter but it's something that is very dismissive and immediately like Mingyu is hurt but he's like okay and Minghao is like shit no I'm not gonna do this like I'm not going to let this linger and like go to China and like have this be this like big thing. So he says, he's like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. I am very stressed. Can you give me a hug? I don't think there's much else I 
want to ask from you right now. And it doesn't fix everything. And Minghao acknowledges that that does not fix everything. But I appreciated so much that this sort of like climax of the fic or like, I don't know, climax-ish of like these like feelings and lots of things happening did not then hinge on just like a really nothing, not a nothing miscommunication, but like a one line, oops, miscommunication. Now everyone's angry and upset and they're not going to communicate about it for weeks because Minghao is in China and doesn't know when he's coming back. Um, I feel like that is a route that I maybe could have expected. I think it is a thing that maybe many fix would have done. I am so tired of miscommunication. Not always. Like sometimes it can be done well and like funny or engaging or whatever or like realistic in a fic. But I think something like that, I would have been like, oh, I wish this fic hadn't done it. But then it didn't. It was great. Like again, like I like that it was both immediately acknowledged and also not immediately solved. Like when I said that miscommunication can feel really real, that felt really real. Both that there's like messy things that still need to be worked through and also that they weren't just going to like sit and stew in these feelings for weeks and just like let this become some big thing because of a, a singular line that Minghao said while he was in distress. Um, yeah, I just liked how that was handled a lot. Me as well. It was very good. I think sometimes when there is a big miscommunication around a climax of a story too, like when you're thinking about how they get together, some stories will have the resolution of the miscommunication be the getting together moment. And I really like that this one didn't do that. Because I think sometimes it can be a sense of like, oh, okay, like, we don't have to be mad at each other anymore. And now we're in love. Versus like letting the getting together be its own thing that is rooted in the feelings that they've both been growing and are talking about from like a clear headed place. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love like a screaming confession in the rain. Bring on the drama. But I also really love that in this case, it was a much more kind of quiet, pretty confession that is very domestic, which feels very right for this story where they are so domestic with each other almost from the start. Um, they're able to kind of air out some of the stuff that they did when they first met each other uh, that was maybe not so kind, like putting succulent rocks in each other's <laughs> shoes. Honestly, um, kind of and incredible like of me. Purposefully you. making a huge mess in the bathroom so the other would slip. Like, <laughs> very petty, very goofy. Um, it was sweet to see that they're able to like talk through stuff and that it's not rooted in being on different pages, that actually they're getting more and more on the same page the more they talk, but that it didn't start from a place of, oh my gosh, we have to resolve this because I feel bad or guilty about it. Um, it's able to come from a place like it just it feels healthy. Like I, I believe in them. I think they stay together. I can't say that for a lot of um, couples that I read getting together. <laughs> But I think they can do it. I think they're in it for the long haul. I'm rooting for them. And um, I will stay rooting for them when they go on the lamb because the debt collectors yeah. have come back. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. The debt collectors only came back because they're so in love. Yeah, of course. Because yeah. they found new leverage yeah. to like leverage. Yeah. 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 The debt collectors saw them out in public and were like, oh my gosh, that seems Shit. like a solid relationship. <laughs> Uh, he's found love. Guess we have to go get money from him now. Damn he's not it. miserable enough anymore. <laughs> he has to light back in his eyes. <laughs> he's found the joy in living. Let's go ruin his life. <laughs> oh, it's um, I will say, like, I like how much time it gave them to grow into their relationship. Like, 
before even it's romantic, just like to grow into whatever their dynamic is going to be before it sort of brings up the issues of the very beginning. Because I guess I also like as someone who has not read much fic that has either Mingyu or Minghao as a central protagonist, I was like, Mingyu's being a jerk. <laughs> not like Minghao wasn't also being a jerk. But we were in Minghao's head, so we knew why he was doing it. Mingyu were not in his head, so we're, he's just like kind of being a jerk. And I was like, uh-huh. um, excuse you. Mingyu, I know you're like the other romantic lead in this, but like, am I going to be rooting for you? Um, And I feel like it was important to sort of give enough time for us to see how their relationship worked before they were able to sort of laugh about those grievances at the beginning. And then they do seem petty and like silly and funny because of like the amount of space that we have. I think if I had been brought up earlier, it would have felt very like are you really ready to, like, joke about some of this? Like, because what we learned is that, like, those petty things are really just, like, the surface actions for much deeper feelings that were, like, took time to, like, figure out. And there were a lot of, like, hurt feelings that just arose because they didn't understand each other at all as people yet. And so, like, as they understood each other as people more, like, that gives chances for some of those to resolve before they even talk about it to be able to, like, laugh about it. And I feel like that was a really, like, mature way for the fic to, like, handle uh, that aspect. Thank you so much for listening to our discussion of Give Me a Tempest by Clavier or Clavier. I'm not quite sure. Um, Either way, a remarkable author who wrote a remarkable fic that we would love for you to consider. If you enjoyed this first installment of For Your Consideration, stay tuned because we will inevitably be doing another one at some point. I don't know exactly when, but sometime, maybe late summer, we can say. Um, Probably. Also, potentially, you could pitch stuff to us. Um, We haven't set anything up for that, so if we do, we'll let you know. Um, But perhaps we could be considering Fix That You Love as well. As always, thank you so much for listening to Fix Click. Uh, Please enjoy this outro and our upcoming picks for next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and for supporting FitClick, which I'm sure is your favorite podcast on the internet. Um, if you would like more of us, there are plenty of places and ways to find us. You can find us on Twitter at FitClick. Um, you can join our Discord. I was somewhat recently told by Ficklet and friend of the pod, Abby, that it is the best fandom Discord to ever exist. And I'm only slightly paraphrasing. Um I was told that it was a superior fandom discord to other discords. So um, take that recommendation and come join and hang with lots of lovely folks. Leave your current fandom discords for the FitClick server. <laughs> yeah. Get a mass exodus of everyone, but only if they're chill. Like if the fandom discords you're in are like not chill and you're not having fun, then don't bring them with you. But if there's a couple people who are really cool, take them with you. Yeah, if you have like one friend and you feel like it's you and them against this rest of the server, just like leave that server and come over to ours. Yeah. If you're like Guhao on the run <laughs> in, in the thriller sequel. And you feel like the people running your Discord are the debt collectors. <laughs> or like the safe house. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so come hang with a lovely community where we talk about fix and fandom and lots of other things that um, could bring joy into your life. Or if you feel like it's sort of you um, against the world of fandom discords and you're like, I'm not so sure about this, but I do have many things I'd like to share with the hosts, um, you can do so uh, by sending us an email at ficklickpod at gmail.com.
If you already love FitClick and you want to spread the good word, um, you can do so by writing a review on a podcast hosting site of your choice that allows for them. Perhaps Apple Podcasts is one where you could write a review. We love seeing them and they definitely help us spread the word of FitClick to other new and interested listeners. Um, you can also just shout about it on your social media of choice. Perhaps uh, hire a skywriter to write in the air or uh, put up a billboard in your town. Um, these are just some ideas i'm sure you can come up with more but if you want to share the word we love to hear it we definitely grow via word of mouth and also sometimes skywriting if you've recently come into a large sum of money be it from a lottery win or an inheritance um you can always kick us some of that cash baby <laughs> uh you can uh support us by buying some merch that is linked on our red bubble our red bubble is linked on our twitter and our pin tweet um, you can also donate to our Ko-Fi, ko-fi.com slash fitclick. Uh, if you want to uh, throw some money at the podcast, it all goes back into making the show better, maintaining hosting costs, et cetera, et cetera. Our next episode, we are back to our three fic format, um, and it will be coming out on April 28th. And Brenna, why don't you tell us what you're bringing? Yes, my fic for next episode is Life is Very Long by Vamile Pudding. Vamil Pudding? We're not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, this is a post-canon fic for The Untamed that is like Wang Xian, but from an outsider POV. It's very funny. It's, it's mostly a comedy, and I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, Reed, what are you bringing? I am bringing a fic, which I'm going to pronounce the name of so well. If you study Latin, I don't know, skip this next part. <laughs> skip. <laughs> or tell me how, I do, how to pronounce it better for next no. episode. <laughs> we love living in ignorance. <laughs> we don't need to be learned. <laughs> um, the fic I am bringing is Restitutio ad Integrum um, by Ergiad SLV. It is for the locked tomb. Um, it is Camilla and Palamedes. No romantic pairing here. Um, and it is pre-canon. It's a short little fic. Um, and if you are familiar at all with the first book, Gideon the Ninth, I think it would be totally readable. And you should read it because I liked it quite a lot. Nick, what are you bringing? My fic for next episode is A Cornstalk Fiddle by Because of, no, by Not Because of the Victories. So sorry. <laughs> Not because of the victories. Uh, for the fandom, Devil Went Down to Georgia song. Uh, banger, banger fic. It is 32K, so if you want to read it, start it a little sooner than you might think. Well, you'll probably be fine. Usually when we're reading last minute, we're like, ah. <laughs> um, but you have time. You don't have a deadline. Ficklets, I'm going to go drink some tea with honey. Bye. Ficklets, I'm going to go cook myself some dinner and hope that it is as good as the meals that Mingyu makes for many of his friends throughout this fic. Bye! Ficklets, I'm going on the run! Bye! <laughs> oh no! Oh no!